from the Sports and Recreation Center on the campus of the College of Staten Island. It's time for the Dolphin Pod, the official College of Staten Island Athletics podcast. With your hosts, David Pizzuto. Smith with a wide open Palinkovic to her left. Palinkovic one-on-one against Mike Camp and it's in. Versada Palinkovic from Narmina Brachic all sprung off the little tap in the backfield by Laval. A great one, two, three punch for the Dolphins, and they're up one nothing. And Joseph Foreman. And the 2-2 is hit out to left center. And if that one gets to the wall, this game could be over. Cutting it off is Windsor. It gets away from him. Here comes Miola. The relay throw to the plate. Not in time. And the Dolphins win it in the bottom half of the ninth inning. A walk-off RBI double off the bat of John Pomerico. And the Dolphins win it 2-1. to one. In-depth stories, reviews, and previews, interviews, and so much more. It's all right here. And now, for the Dolphin Pod, here are your hosts, Dave and Joe. This is the Dolphin Pod, right here on CSIDolphins.com. David Pizzuto alongside Joe Foreman. We are broadcasting live on January 24th. 2020, whatever day of the week you're listening to us, whatever time of day, we are happy to have you. A great show lined up uh, today. Joe and I will talk about the week that was, the week upcoming, and we'll sit down with women's basketball alum Samantha Flecker a little later on in the show. Uh, Joe, a great week in CSI athletics. Uh, Winter season in full effect. 2020 is upon us. The back half of winter seasons, it's promised us a lot of, uh, you know, good basketball, swimming, and track and field. Women's basketball has gotten very hot over the last couple of weeks, really since about the midway point of December. They've played extremely well. Men's basketball had won two of three entering the game against Baruch on Wednesday. We'll talk more about that result coming up in just a few minutes. But we also have a crowded slate coming up in the near future. No track and field today, indoor track and field off this week. But we do have basketball this weekend and a busy week behind us as well. We had swimming, indoor track and field, a couple of women's basketball games and a men's basketball game as well. Right. So why don't we take a look at the week that was uh, it was jam packed with plenty of highlights. Let's take a look now at the weekly rewind. It's now time to rewind the week. Your look back into the week that was at CSI with the weekly rewind. Here is Joe Foreman past week's slate got started only a couple of hours after we debuted last week's broadcast on Friday afternoon, beginning when indoor track and field participated in the Gotham Cup. Once again, the Dolphins' performances in that meet broke several school records and earned them a pair of CUNYAC Weekly Awards as Rebecca DeLoya won her second consecutive Rookie of the Week honor and Jared Nusser was named Track Athlete of the Week as well. Later that night, women's basketball took on Cabrini University in the first ever meeting between the two programs in what was likely the Dolphins' best win of the season. They defeated the Cavaliers by a final score of 77-70 after fending off a late comeback attempt by Cabrini in the closing minutes. On Saturday, it was senior day for CSI Dolphins swimming and diving as Delphi University visited the tank for the final home meet of the season. Victoria Mussarella and Peter Carl were honored prior to the final three events of that meet, at which point the women's result had already been decided and a victory was still within reach for the men. However, the final score on both sides saw Adelphi take the victory over the women, 137-64, and over the men, 116-93. The week wrapped up with both men's and women's basketball at Baruch on Wednesday night. First up, the women defeated Baruch by a final score of 74-59. It was a different result for the men who dropped their matchup with the Bearcats, 74-55. 
Yeah, so an exciting week, Joe, and I think uh, accentuated by that win over Cabrini by the women's basketball team that you just mentioned. Cabrini, coming into the game against CSI, had recently beaten the number 10 team in the nation, DeSales University. So it gives you a pretty good indication of how far the women's basketball team has come since their 0-6 start. It was a very entertaining game to watch. I was in attendance for that one, and the Dolphins had a tremendous third quarter, outscoring Cabrini 26-9. to the Cavaliers in the fourth quarter, though, outscoring the Dolphins 30-18, to and that made it a very close game down the stretch. I believe they got as close as four in that one, but the Dolphins were able to hold off the Cavaliers and come away with the win. It was a season-high 27 points for Megan McEwen in that game, who played extremely well for the Dolphins. And for CSI, I think that goes down as their best win of the season thus far. Yeah, definitely the most impressive. And uh, the Dolphins really taking care of business within the CUNY as well. They only have one loss against CUNY teams, and that was a game that they arguably should have won against Hunter College. They had the game, were winning it most of the game. You know, fell apart a little bit late, but even at the very end had a couple of opportunities to win that one. Uh, they just couldn't come come through with it. But the women's team has now won nine out of a, their last 11 after the 0-6 start. CSI men, on the other hand, Joe, a little bit of a tailspin. They've been in that in that, uh, in that tailspin pretty much all season long. Another tough loss at Baruch, a game where they were up at halftime uh, very modestly, but they were outscored by 20 in the second half on the road. Yeah, it was a rough game at Baruch, and through the first half, that game was close. Dolphins had a halftime lead in that one, but it got away from them very quickly in the second half, and certainly not a second half that they will be happy with. I think they had about a two-point lead, if I'm not mistaken, at halftime. Ended up losing the game by 19 points. Once again, Adiola Latunji with 20 for the Dolphins, but unfortunately for CSI, nobody else contributed more than eight points in that game. Joseph Zeris, following a tremendous three-game stretch, was held quiet, one of six from the field, one of four from downtown. Rigo Destine, the Dolphins' second-leading scorer in that game, with eight points. So they'll be looking to bounce back against John Jay, a team that defeated them twice during the regular season last year. But when it mattered most, the Dolphins did defeat the Bloodhounds in the Cuniac playoffs. And finally, Joe, to tidy up last week, uh, obviously we say goodbye to two of our uh, seniors in their final uh, home meet for swimming. Peter Carl on the men's side, Victoria Mussarell on the women's side, you mentioned. Uh, you know, great careers by those two, both four-year standout athletes. And the other uh, point of emphasis is how about Rebecca Deloya? Uh, indoor track and field, fresh off of a four-year career with the women's soccer team. She joins the team, instantly starts making waves, has won two straight Rookie of the Week awards. Uh, that's pretty impressive for Rebecca. It certainly is. And she went from running up and down the soccer field to running up and down the track. It's been a very impressive start to her indoor track and field career, a pair of rookie of the week honors from the CUNYAC for Rebecca. Of course, Jared Nusser, not only the track athlete of the week from the CUNY, but also CSIDolphins.com male athlete of the week. So a couple of honors for Jared as well. And records continue to fall for indoor track and field. It's been a very entertaining start to their season. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to watch much of it. Not many of those meets have been streamed, but records continue to fall. Times are improving. And head coach Andrew Gangemi, who I spoke to on the most recent episode of The Coaches Show, very happy with the team's progress. So indoor track and field is off for the next week. So is swimming, but we do have some basketball on the slate. Let's take a look now at the weekly preview. The Dolphin Pod now brings you what's on tap at CSI with the weekly preview. Get in the game. Here's what's happening. And coming off of the Dolphin Pod show here on January 24th, the first events will be on Saturday, January 25th. That's tomorrow for us. It'll be a basketball triple header at the tank tomorrow. Uh, morning leading into the afternoon. It'll be the women's basketball alumni game, which will tip things off first. 
That will start at 11 a.m. And then from there, it's a basketball doubleheader against John Jay College. The women will tip off first at 1 p.m. Women looking to sweep the season series against the Bloodhounds after a win at John Jay. And for the men, they are looking to exact revenge against John Jay for an early season loss. Uh, Their tip-off time is scheduled for 3 p.m. The only other uh, events on the docket for next week will be on Tuesday, the 28th, where the basketball teams will be back in action. They will travel to City College of New York. The women will tip off at 5 p.m. and the men will tip off at 7 p.m. That will lead us into next podcast, which will be next Friday when the track and field teams get back underway taking part in the NYU Division Three invite at the Armory in Manhattan. So, Joe, not a lot of action, but basketball teams continue their fast and furious place. And from here on out, through CUNY teams only. And I think for the men, it's an especially big game. The Dolphins and the Bloodhounds do have a rivalry that's been going over the last couple of years now. And I mentioned before, two regular season victories for John Jay over CSI last year. And the Dolphins are in need of a win coming off of their defeat at the hands of Baruch College. Very disappointing game. And I'm sure they'd love to turn it around against a Cuniac foe. And for the women, they look to continue playing their best basketball of the season. It's been a very impressive run for them. And they'll hope to keep that going against John Jay on Saturday. A team they've had historically a lot of success against as well. Yeah, and a lot on the line for both basketball teams, Joe, because this could conceivably be the final games ever against CUNY competition. You can't can't ever say never say never, but you know, this is the last time CSI will probably ever play John Jay in basketball. It'll be the last time they'll play CCNY in basketball. And you better believe that the Bloodhounds and the Beavers of CCNY, they want to send CSI out with a message of their own. Good riddance. Good luck in Division Two. Here's a loss for your record. So, you know, that's going to be high on their minds. And our Dolphins teams are going to have a lot of pressure on them with no, you know, postseason to look for. This is their last statement they can make against these teams. So, you know, I think these are just two huge games this week for the Dolphins. They certainly are. And CSI will have the opportunity playing their best basketball of the season to go two games over 500, a season high for the first time for the women's basketball team. So we'll see if they can achieve that against John Jay tomorrow. We'll have coverage of both the alumni game and the doubleheader tomorrow between the Dolphins and Bloodhounds. Anyway, it should be a full slate tomorrow on CSI Sports, and I look forward to bringing you the alumni game before I head over to the stats desk for the doubleheader. And of course, don't forget indoor track and field resuming action this week. We'll see if more records fall. It's been a very encouraging start to their season. Absolutely. So with that, uh, we will step aside. There's plenty to look forward to this week. But Joe and I are looking forward to our interview with women's basketball alum Samantha Flecker. It's coming up next after the break. Stay with us. This is episode 12 of the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. Champions know how to seize opportunities. When they see moments of greatness unfold right before their eyes, they push as hard as they possibly can. And then they push harder. Because the heart of a champion never settles, never quits, and never stops giving its all. We are champions. We are Division II. We go big, we give it everything we've got, and we win on the field, on our campuses, in our communities, for our causes, in our careers. We rise to become champions in everything we do. We are Division II and there are no limits here. We make our time count. We set our own path. We become champions on our terms. 
it's time to up your game because we're here to play and learn. But most importantly, we're here to discover ourselves, our vision, our heart, our drive to achieve every goal we aim for because we want to be champions at the highest level, life. At Division II, the opportunities are here. Are you ready? Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. And welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com, episode 12 featuring our guest. It is Samantha Flecker, a alumni from the women's basketball program, recent alumni having uh, graduated from the program in the 2017-18 season. Sam, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> awesome. So, you know, you're not too far removed. So obviously we are very familiar with your career at CSI. What we might not be familiar with is uh, your history uh, of, of basketball. What, you know, growing up in your family, was, was basketball always the sport of choice? No, it was always soccer. It's like soccer, golf, everything, <laughs> every other sport but basketball. The only time I ever played basketball with my family was probably like outside of like a family's home, like on the street. That's really it. But my grandfather's the first person to play basketball in college at Pace. Mm. So that's what got me into playing because he's the one told my dad like, oh, put her in basketball, put her in basketball. And ever since then, I just started playing. I think I started when I was like three. That's when you mm. do like the clinics. And then sure. once you hit like five years old, you do like the bivvies and like so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much it. So tell me a little bit more about growing up in your family. Do you have siblings? Were they into sports? Just you, huh? It's just me. But growing up, I had a babysitter from like six months old to like 13 years old because both my parents worked. So her son and her daughter basically both played sports. So her daughter mm-hmm. played soccer, of course, but her son played baseball and basketball. So like every time he'll play basketball, I'll play with him or like, you know, so I mean. Yeah, I'm an only child, and it stinks. Because <laughs> you have no one to play with outside. So it's like, you know, you have, like, the basketball hoop outside, and mm-hmm. it's like, you just shoot by yourself, and no one can rebound for you. My dad would do it sometimes, but mm-hmm. my dad would work all the time. So it's just like, all right, got to go run and get the rebound myself. And I don't think you're going to let a five-year-old out in the street by itself. <laughs> you have to go recruit some help in the neighborhood. When I was young, we had the entire neighborhood coming to my house because I got the very nice basketball hoop when I was 10 that all come over and play. But when you were introduced to basketball at a young age, was that the sport you gravitated to right away, or did you dabble in other sports? Oh, no. I dabbled in a bunch of sports. I did gymnastics at one point. I was even a cheerleader. And that's the last thing I would ever do. I went to, like, two cheerleading practices, and I was like, nope, this is not for me, and I left. Um, then I, I was actually really into softball and like, that was like the really like the sport for me in my own opinion. And my mom said the same exact thing, but I always said it was like basketball. I chose first. So I stuck with that and even tried out to play here, but just coincided with basketball playoffs and like their preseason. So I just didn't want to like, you know, yeah. overwork myself. Well, two cheerleading practices, one more karate practice than I went to. I went to the first karate practice, whatever you want to call it, the YMCA. I never went back. I wanted to be a Power Ranger. It didn't work out for me. The white one? <laughs> I was always a fan of the red as a kid, but when okay. I went back and watched it as an adult, definitely the Green Ranger, 100%. My dad tried to put me in karate, and then he, my mom was like, well, you do know that they had to fight you back. I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not in the mood to get hit. <laughs> Yeah, they had us. I think they had us wrestling in my first karate practice or whatever. It was some really weird thing where they had us trying to pin one another. Seems a little bit odd for kids that at the time were probably five to ten years old, but that's what they had us do anyway. <laughs> basketball, your first exposure to that sport when you were younger. You said you re- you didn't realize right away that was the sport for you. When did you realize that basketball was something that you were excelling at? High school, maybe. 
because I felt like from kindergarten to eighth grade, I feel like it was just basically for fun. You know, I really didn't have a trainer till high school. I mean, I really wasn't really into it at that point. It was more of just giving me something to do, extracurricular stuff. So once I hit high school, that's when it became like more serious. And that's when I got to feel like the intense competition and whatnot. But then I was able to still do two sports. So my competitiveness actually increased. But then when it got to my senior year, I was like, oh, now I really have to choose if I want to play in college or not. So that's when like the whole basketball softball like back and forth really came through. But I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> I miss playing a lot. And it's just like sitting here talking with you guys. It's really just like, wow, it's been two years. So you're saying it's a downer. Not really a downer. <laughs> it's just like you play, let's say I'm 23 now. I basically 20 years of living. I played basketball. So like now it's like two years out. You're like, wow, like time really mm-hmm. did fly. Yeah. That's one of the things that we always try to reinforce as administrators here is that a lot of a lot of students don't realize it when they first come, but this is kind of like the last time you're ever going to be able to play mm-hmm. really true organized basketball. I mean, there's still women's leagues and men's leagues yeah. and co-ed leagues and weekend leagues and, you know, beer softball, if you're a softball fan on the weekend, <laughs> things like that. But this is really the last true stop. So there's definitely a, like a finality that mm-hmm. comes with that. And, you know, some sadness that's a, that's attached to it. What has to be saddening too, is that the high school you attended, St. John Villa, obviously is no longer um and when they when they closed the tents on their athletics program it it came with a lot of sadness as well as an alum of St. John Villa what were some of your experiences there and and you know how regrettable is it that the you know obviously these sports programs are no longer well for one thing i remember on the way to Megar Evers game i get a call from the Staten Island Advance and it's going to be how i felt about it i was like um i'm in game mode at this <laughs> moment do i really need to talk about my old high school closing but the best memories didn't come from sports in high school, mm. pretty much. Like, yeah, like my team was like a family, like, you know, we're all girls school too. But it was primarily just this little stuff that you do in class, like those little memories that you do, like the little jokes you play on each other. Like, yes, you went to all girls school. It's like you think that like, oh, we can't be jokesters, but we had to make most of what we got. Mm-hmm. So I don't even, I can't pick out my best memory pretty much, <laughs> but yeah. I think it was just overall just the concept of me still being friends with people I went to high school with and being able to play with them so like Torgon now for example she's on my team I want she graduated two years before me so I think 2016 she I played with her in Villa for two years and I played with her here for two years and I feel like that was something special that like I feel like many people cannot say they did Mm. you know yeah so I feel like Villa being very local and being on the island I feel like that gave me the opportunity to play with more people and actually you know get the feel of playing against other people at the same time. Right. And, you know, you had mentioned being a two sport, you know, a star at Villa, both basketball and softball. And obviously you're, you're playing athletics pretty much year round because you're just an athlete and you're involved in different things. How did kind of athletics serve as a structure for you during those days? I mean, high school is the time when academics starts to really ramp up and you've always been an exceptional student uh, as well. So how does athletics kind of play into making you a better student and vice versa? It's like time management and discipline. Those are the two pro- like top priorities when it comes to being a student athlete. Because again, you have a very chaotic schedule with games, practices, and sometimes like when you're in like a team, you usually help other teams. Like you would help the JV out or like you will go help clinics. Like it's just very time manageable and you really need to be disciplined in order to finish your schoolwork. 
So when it came to high school, like you said, it started to ramp up the schoolwork and you have the regents, you have all those state tests. So when it got to that point, it was more of like, okay, you need to dedicate like a time schedule. So I became like that nerd that had a book with like the entire life written out on it, different colors, highlighted, just because you don't want to miss a beat. And I feel like if something was just off, it wouldn't flow right the rest of the week. So like, let's say if I would have a game, I would do schoolwork on the bus or like, if I come home from practice, I'll do schoolwork before I'll go to practice as a break, then go home and do schoolwork and studying again. It's just, it sounds like a big workload, but if you do it for like a long period of time, let's say, like I said, from eighth grade, mm-hmm. when like the, you know, the tax test and so on and so forth really comes out eighth grade to even college, like you just get into that groove of being a student athlete, of having your priority set in order of like what really needs to be done. So you said the advance contacted you about the closure <laughs> of Billy. You must have been a big shot if the advance is reaching out and must have been a standout player in high school. Um, Yeah. I mean, basketball, it was a little rocky back and forth because it was very like emotional for me. I became an emotional player in high school. And I learned sometimes that's not the best way to play. And then I actually got benched my junior year because of it. And again, it was my own fault. I'll take responsibility for it. But out of both sports, it was softball was my primary sport. And I don't like bragging about any of my careers. You both know that. But when it comes to um, softball, I was advanced also for softball. I was a leadoff hitter from, I think it was junior and senior year. You know, so I feel like I had a better career in softball. But I feel like if I played it in college, it would have been the opposite. I feel like I would have had a standout career in basketball and softball would have just been like mediocre. You mentioned that you like structure and something else that requires structure. I see wearing the Dolphin strength and conditioning hoodie. So the strength and conditioning journey, did that get started back in high school or was it more Mm -hmm. something that you developed here in college? I developed it in college. I think I want to say sophomore year is when I started getting to really into working out. But then I also realized that I can't really work out and play basketball at the same time because I feel like I'm working out different muscles at the point. And I was also worried that like my shot would be messed up if I did like an arm workout and I'll just be like, all right. I can't work out because I can't shoot. can tell you it does mess up your shot. See? When I was in high school and I first got started, I remember we did the push-up test in high school gym class. And then I went and tried to play basketball. And back in high school, I could actually play, not so much anymore. <laughs> and my first shot was about 10 feet short. Not a good look. Yeah, I mean, it just felt weird because like, your arms are sore and your arms are tired. So I was like, I'd rather just do leg workouts because in basketball, again, you do primarily all running. So I really did more like full body workouts and like hit training, which is high intensity interval training. So with that, that's pretty much what I did. But right after, I want to say the senior year, like <laughs> I think the day after the championship game, I that's where I really started to get into like a schedule of working out because I said, I was like, I need to keep myself active somehow. And I feel like if I kept myself active, that's going to be a way to keep my disciplinary actions kept going. Mm-hmm. So it's like a whole flow. <laughs> So I want to touch on what you mentioned about being an emotional player, uh, especially like your final uh, two years of high school. When you say emotional, do you mean like angry emotional or like no. you would get too upset on the court if you yeah. if you weren't playing well? Yeah, it is more. Of, I'm very hard on myself and I mm-hmm. feel like a lot of players can vouch that they can get very hard on themselves when a play doesn't go their way or like the game overall just wasn't how they know they're supposed to be playing. So I had a few tough coaches in Villa. You know, some of them believed in me, some of them didn't. But again, I feel like that's every coach throughout someone's career. They're going to have coaches like that. Mm-hmm. So I came to a point where I was just like, am I not good enough to be playing? Am I not, you know, not worthy, but like it's still on the line of not good enough to mm-hmm. be playing. But when it got to that whole not good enough mindset, that's when I really started falling back on my game. And that's what really cost me playing because I really wasn't 
doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I wasn't playing how I know mm. I could play. So that's pretty much how the emotional aspect came in yeah. to it. So Yeah. And was it was it hard for you to kind of develop basketball wise? Because, you know, when you I mean, I got to watch you play for four years, so I kind of get a sense of of how you play. But at you know, looking at you, you could see you're you're on the taller side. You're you're a physical player. You don't mind contact. So you would think naturally this is someone who's going to play on the inside or is going to make, you know, baskets. But you're also a tremendous three-point shooter. You like to live on the – well, you're top 10 CSI. Yeah. is far better than we are. <laughs> yeah, let's just say that. So, no, but you, you can hurt teams in a, in a variety of ways, let's just say. Yeah. So, you know, at what point did, did you find that – you were playing the kind of game that you wanted to play or that you fit a certain role on a team. Sophomore year of college, mm. literally. It sounds like it was extremely late because my sophomore, my sophomore, my freshman year, I apparently I was inefficiency anemic and I had no idea, mm. you know? So I was, I go up to Tim Shanahan. I was like, why am I not playing? Why am I not playing? He goes, you're not in shape. I was like, how am I not in shape? I'm going to practice every single day. I was working out after practices. So it was very frustrating so when it came to the point when I actually went to adopt it, it was like, yeah, you're very low iron. Like, and I had no clue until I actually had my blood work done and all, everything like that mm. for the physical for sophomore year. Mm. So I come in sophomore year and I'm actually like doing open gyms with the girls and whatnot. And I actually felt like a different player. And Tim Shanahan also came up to me and even said that he's like, you know, you look stronger. Like you look like the girl I saw in high school. Mm. And from that point on, I was like, wow, maybe I wasn't as bad as I thought I was in high school because Timmy was looking at something. In, in me as a player in high school that I could have brought my freshman year. But again, it, you know, health issues, not like a big health issue, mm -hmm. but, you know, cost me how I'm usually playing. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because my next question was going to be your your first year of college because you, you really didn't play much at all. Mm -hmm. And a lot of your statistics, as as great as they are, really based on three years. I mean, mm -hmm. because your first year, I think you scored like 90 points or something like that. You, you were used few and far between. So, as far as the the health issues were concerned, what what made the difference? Was it iron supplements? Was it yeah. changing diet? You know, and and like, how did you feel before that? And how did you feel sophomore year? So before it was, I was generally always tired. Mm -hmm. I had no energy to go to practice. I had no energy to go to class. And then it was basically once I got the, not the diagnosis I want to say, but when I got the news of like mm -hmm. being iron deficient. Um, I just had to take iron supplements. I had to take like three or four a day before practice, before I ate. And again, my diet did have to change too, where I had to eat a lot of red meat, spinach, anything with high iron in it, mm -hmm. or even vitamin C too, because vitamin C also helps you absorb that iron in the foods that you're eating. So that was a change in like what I really had to do. I mean, I, I'm not one to vouch about eating healthy because I have my spurges of where I can eat whatever I want just because it's just the cravings everyone sure. has, especially being a student athlete. You work out so much that like your metabolism is just going extremely fast. So you just be like, oh, I'm craving this, I'm craving this. And you can have that, you know, mm -hmm. but there's other times where I was like, no, I have to really stick to the vitamin C and the iron stuff because I really wanted to, you know, get better as like to breathe and to actually move. So when I was playing in my, my freshman year, it was, I my legs were in time. My body was in time. It's just, I could not like breathe in a sense, if that makes sense, because you just get very winded right, sure. automatically. Mm. So when I come into my sophomore year, it was like, I could run for miles. And Timmy even said, that's like, there was a court 92 feet. He would always say like 94 feet. Mm -hmm. I would be running on the track. I would keep going and going and going because the work that I was doing my freshman year, right after practice, I didn't realize I was increasing my stamina. It's just once my iron levels came up, 
everything came at once. Mm. You know, my stamina, my endurance, it, you know, co like coincided with each other. So then that's pretty much the only difference was like the strength and actually being able to breathe. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the most important part. Sure. So you mentioned in high school, you had coaches who believed in you, coaches who didn't. What did coach Tim Shanahan see that made him believe in you that you referenced before? Running, you know, running, going to the basket strong, being able to shoot. Like he looks for all around players. If you look at everybody that I played against, played against with, let's say, Chris Pastoro, Tori Cray, we're all well-rounded players. Cray may be shorter than me and Chrissy, but she can still drive to the basket. She goes against the tallest girls and she has no shame. You know, like that's how she tore her ACL. I hate saying that, but she went against two girls that were like six foot, like, I don't want to say 200 pounds, but close to it. We, that's when we played in Canada. Like, I don't think any point guard that I would know that's like, what, five, three she is will go against the girls that are six something. But I don't know. I, I think he just basically saw like the well-roundedness of a player mm -hmm. that I am. You know, that's the only thing I would vouch myself is that I know I rebound. I know I go for layups because <laughs> I feel like that's what I'm better at. I'm definitely not a three-point <laughs> shooter. That's definitely not what it is. <laughs> but even then, I miss wide-open layups. It's very sad. Well, you're eighth all-time in three-point makes in CSI women's basketball history. And let me tell you, there have been some exceptional three-point shooters in, at CSI. Oh, well, what do you know? That's See? new to me. There you go. <laughs> Look pretty impressed with yourself after that. Yeah, because I don't, I'm not. I mean, in high school, I used to be a shooter. My head coach in Villa would say like, "Oh, she never misses two in a row." Then I get to CSI. It's like, oh, I don't have a bad shooting day. I'm gonna miss all of it. I think I went like 0 and six on one game because we were. I think it was against John Jay at here or Baruch. I forgot which game it was. It was like junior year, I believe. But I don't know. I just became like a layup person when it came to CSI because Tim basically transformed me into being a post player. He put me into like the four or five position because. Once Alyssa Carlson left, mm -hmm. I think my sophomore year, that's when he was like, all right, you really need to transition to the lower role because mm -hmm. God forbid there's foul trouble with Rosa Perone. And then we didn't get Diana until junior, no, so senior year, I believe. Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just me and Rosa. Mm -hmm. And sometimes Rosa would get into foul trouble and it would just be me. So he really put me into that like four or five role. So my, th mm -hmm. my three-point shot kind of went downhill. Yeah. And, you, <laughs> and you had that one. I'm sorry, Joel. I I cut you off, but you had that one player for a year who was really good on Ashley, the inside. Ashley, right, Iancono? No, it wasn't her. It was um, she won Rookie of the Year that year. She only oh, Nicole Vierno. Vierno, correct. We yeah. said that if she remained playing, we probably wouldn't have won the CUNY championship like sophomore year because it's just yeah. she really utilized her height and like her body well, and she can shoot. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. She was able she was, to shoot. She was definitely a CUNY Player of the Year candidate by the time her season was yeah, over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Sorry, Joe, I cut you off. <laughs> no, not, not at all. But I was going to say, I always marvel, too, how you would take a three-pointer, and the other team would not box you out. If, if it missed, you would run right in, grab the rebound, and then get an easy layup opportunity right off of the missed three-pointer. But my question was, overall, what adjustments did you have to make? Freshman year, you played about 11 minutes per game. Then the sophomore year, that increased to 35. Once you became a full-time starter, entered the lineup, and assumed more of a leadership role as your career progressed, what changes did you have to make as a player? Um, Nothing really changed because Tim really kept his practices very strict. So everyone really had the same role. It's just you had like that veteran type like uh, persona to you. So when it came to being my, in my sophomore year, it was more of I have to be the fastest person up and down the court during any drill. I have to be like, uh, what's it called? The strongest going down the court, taking a layup. Like it's just my mentality changed where I said I want to be first. And I would always challenge myself against Tori Craig. Because she was a three-sport athlete, four-sport athlete here. She played swimming, track, 
right? I think. Oh, no, yeah, three cross sport. Cross country. Cross country. Cross country, yeah. um, swimming, and basketball. So she's three sport. So with that, I literally was like, I challenged myself with her. I was like, okay, if you stay with her, you're in good shape. If you go past her, it's like you're in better shape, you know? Mm -hmm. But it was not like a challenge for me. It was more just like a mental thing where it's like, okay, you need to be, you need to push yourself past the Tori Cray presence because she was that person you always want to beat when you're running in practice because she never was out of breath in my own opinion yeah and the the mode of basketball under tim shanahan too and it, and you know it, it had glimpses when marguerite was the coach here and tim was was um her assistant but when tim took over he really took it to another level that csi was going to play a brand of basketball that was going to be up and down the floor at full speed at all times so it does take a toll physically on the on the players that that play in his system did you relish that type of game? Is that, you know, ideally in, you know, in Samantha Flecker's ideal mm -hmm. basketball, is that the kind of basketball you enjoy playing? Yeah, I like the fast paced game a lot. You know, I always say I hate watching James Harden play because he's so slow and it bothers <laughs> me. I like watching a game that goes up and down constantly because I feel like it keeps things moving. It's not like you're watching at one side and just staying on that one side or you're slowly watching it walk up. If I, I'm a big baseball fan. It's like, if I want to watch a slow-paced game, I will go to a Mets game <laughs> and sit there. And it probably won't be a great outcome, but again, mm -hmm. that's what I would... <laughs> Joe shaking his <laughs> no, head. No, <laughs> probably won't. <laughs> but I said, I was like, when Tim, like, called me and he goes, every game that we have is going to be a track meet. Even if we're playing Megger from CCNY, no matter who we play, it's going to be a track meet because there's always going to be that one person that can keep up with us up and down, up and down. Mm -hmm. So Brooklyn was probably, in CUNY, I should say, mm -hmm. is the biggest contender when it came to playing the up and down field because I feel like Alex Lang also played a similar sure. like tactic right. of like Tim Shanahan's. So I like the concept of him being like, yeah, we're going to run. That's all we do. Run, pass the ball, transition. I love that kind of basketball because I feel like it brings a better flow to the entire game. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, too, with that type of game is and especially with the kind of team that you had by your senior season with with great scorers like like yourself, like Chrissy, like Angelique and 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 the like. Everybody looks at the team. Um, was that? You could say. <laughs> I forgot about Angelique. That sounds yeah. so bad. <laughs> um, no, but you guys had some terrific scores. And night after night, any one of you could step up and score the 20, 25 points that can lead the team. But I think what people forget about those teams were how great defending teams you mm -hmm. guys were. Among the nation's leaders every year in steals and turnovers created, defensive rebounds, even though you guys weren't a big rebounding team, of just being able to play well defensively, that was kind of like a calling card to your teams mm -hmm. as well. How important was that? Tim really emphasized defense. And even as like a little kid, going back to like when I first started learning how to play, it was I was always told that defense and foul shooting will always win games for you. And mm -hmm. I, I coach eighth grade now, so I always preach that to them because they always I feel like a lot of trainers and whatnot are very focused on the offensive game where in reality I feel like your offense game will come from the defensive work that you put in like that was like the mentality I was always brought up against so when it comes to now with the defensive like let's say I think at that one point we were like number 10 or 11 in steals because we would sure yeah I think just bringing up Angelique which mm -hmm. sorry I forgot about her <laughs> it sounds so bad but she would always come out of nowhere for these steals for a fast break. And I would literally say to myself, I was like, where did she come from? Because it just, she looked like she wouldn't be in the play at that point, or she would mm -hmm. be like in the other side of the court and she'll run and get that ball. Right. Even Chrissy too. It's the same exact thing. But then we would always get yelled at for using the wrong hand when we stole it. We'd <laughs> have to be like the opposite. Very strange. 
but um Timmy really preached um defense mm-hmm. when we when he brought in Wayne uh Trevally yep. as an assistant even um who else did he bring I forgot he brought another person in I keep oh Tommy O'Leary Okay. When he brought him in just to help out, nothing really crazy. They, we always did like the shell drill or we do like all these different drills in order to like make our footwork. We wouldn't even use the hands. I think we had like a drill at one point that wasn't even either of those, either of theirs. I think we had to hold a towel behind our back and actually run up and down mm. the court playing against a girl. Like he really emphasized defense. And at the time when we had the towel behind our back, we I think that was my sophomore year. That's when we really started picking up like – how to really start playing as a team. And then the next year we actually just won a championship. And again, we held the team to what? 40 something points. points I yeah. Think it was, yeah. And I feel like in college, that's, you know, that's the norm yep. now because in the NBA, it's in the hundreds, but mm-hmm. in college, that's why I like it so much. Cause defense always win games and junior year championship really proved that. Yeah. I think that whole tournament, I think, I think you gave up like 30 to John Jay. It was something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You guys blew him out. We actually caught up with the game that you guys played against Lehman. You guys gave up like 45. And in Brooklyn, you gave up 43. And at this level of college basketball, you hold a team to 40, 45 points. You're winning just about every Mm -hmm. game. Yeah, pretty much. And where did that championship rank with your greatest moments here at the College of Staten Island, your top moments? (sighs) Top number one, that's for sure. Top number one. It's just that moment was just so bittersweet because it's like we were the underdogs that game. Brooklyn was number one. We were number three. So coming to that game – I'm not saying they did this, but I feel like Brooklyn will come in and just be like, oh, we got this game because we beat them. I think we beat them. It was one and one the entire season throughout throughout the regular season. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. But even then, like from the past year, my freshman year, they blew us out in the semifinals by 20. Then our sophomore year, they also beat us to play Lehman in the championship. And then junior year, we meet again. But we actually met again in the in the championship. So with that, they had a track record of beating us in the playoffs. And I feel like us coming in and actually being able to beat them at the, what was it, by 11 or 12, maybe? In the championship? Yeah. You beat him by 11. Oh, by 11? Yeah. It's like, you can never forget that moment. And I also remember, we also said we're going to do it for Timmy. Me and Chrissy love each other. Like, we have to do it for Timmy. I was like, he's worked so hard with us. And he was very patient with us. Because we were not the easiest group of girls <laughs> to be working with. And I feel like no girls team really is. But he was very patient with us. And he always would be encouraging no matter what. And even if we have a bad game, he'll come in. He'll decompress, as he always said, he would have his bologna and milk. He would always say he'll go home, need some bologna and milk, and he's good to go for the <laughs> next day of practice. It's very strange, but again, that's what he does. Everyone mm-hmm. has their own decompressing matters. But, um, yeah, that's one moment, top one, for sure. And then I think my thousand point would be the second. Even though it wasn't, like, spectacular, but, I mean, that was probably an accomplishment that I never thought that I would ever achieve. Because in high school, I wasn't even close. <laughs> and I feel like high school is like, if you make it in high school, oh, you're going to get it in college. Like, that's what everyone thinks. Mm-hmm. Right, so I wanted to get you talking about a positive before I brought up the negative. Though it's not all negative. It was a great individual performance for you the following year in the oh, CUNYAC no. championship. But I wanted to ask you about something one of the commentators said during the game about coming back from pneumonia and playing after that. Oh, very sick. at but MIT. I have a brief video of it that I promised I would show you before oh, we went no. on the air. So here it is. And I think I actually cut them off after they mentioned the illness. But... This is from the CUNYAC championship against Brooklyn in your senior year. Oh, no. It looks. Hey, the day after, he came out and performed well, and Flecker has put together quite the show. She really has, and you see right here all the opportunities that she's been able to cash in this quarter, able to find the open space as Flecker's shots have been on money. 
So that was senior year. I'm sorry if our listeners couldn't hear it. I blasted my iPad as loud as I possibly could. Didn't come through, but give me some background on coming back from pneumonia and then what your mindset was during that game when at this point you'd given your team the lead, coming back, ultimately it didn't end the way you wanted, but still a standout individual performance. Um, I think I had pneumonia for on Christmas. So that was in December. That ooh, that was a curveball. Like senior year, you weren't expecting just to be like, oh, you're bedridden for two weeks because you just somehow get pneumonia. But again, that was also my fault because I'm walking in class in the freezing cold from a shower after practice. But I, I did that for four years. <laughs> so I remember when I got back from pneumonia, I didn't practice for two weeks. So I'm not saying I lost weight, but again, when you're sick, you're projected to lose some kind of muscle and like stamina and endurance. So I remember we played, we had to travel to Boston to MIT. And that was like the most difficult game I had probably ever had to play because I come back from a sick, like not sickness, an illness, and then having to play this team who honestly could have been ranked D3 nationally because they were that good. They were that strong. And I remember the defense they were playing. They were so keyed in on me and Chrissy where I was actually getting frustrated and I was blaming myself for getting sick. But again, I can't really help it. Everyone gets sick. But coming off... Timmy looked at the coach and he said that like, yeah, one girl just was dying from pneumonia about like three weeks prior, or a week prior. And she was like, you couldn't tell. And I was like, how can you not tell? I'm dying coming up and down the court. And I think I played almost a full game, like 30 something minutes that game. But then I only had like two, four points. But again, defensive wise, I think that's probably my best defensive game I probably ever played. But then going into the championship game, bringing up a negative, thanks. But I mean... I don't regret how the ending of the championship went because I can say for myself that I went out with a bang. That's what ev- that's what everyone says. <laughs> that's what everyone says. Mm-hmm. You know, like you end up your career in like some way that you're proud of. You know. So um, with that game, like I remember, I remember um, my friend was in the stands and he's been my friend for years. Um, he actually played here. Not here. Uh, played St. Joseph Brooklyn here all the time. So you probably very, very pronounced name, uh, Alec Willis. Okay. He's been my best friend for years. He looked at me in the sense he goes, wake up. And I'm like, okay. Because he was like that support system. Everyone has that one support system. Like, I don't want to listen to my mom and my dad because they would always, just, they don't know what to talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like every parent, every parent in the basketball would just be like, oh, you should do this, this, this. But in reality, it's the opposite. So he looked at me, he goes like, wake up, do this, do this. You have to take over. You have to take over because... I mean, Chrissy wasn't having a great shooting game because Brooklyn was locking her down. Again, there's going to be games like that. So from that point forward, I was like, I got to do everything that I can. And from then on, it was more of just, I'm going to do whatever I can and just float. I think it was only the third quarter. Then once the fourth quarter came, it kind of like died out. Mm -hmm. But again, there's only so much that one person can really do. That's why I give Chrissy credit sometimes because there was games where Chrissy was the reliant, like a game at MIT, going back to that when I was sick. It was all Chrissy. Chrissy would hit big shots. Cray would hit big layups. But even then, Chrissy was the leading scorer in that entire game. Most of our games. You know, so it's just there's going to be games like that when you have to rely on one person. I feel like that championship game was like the worst timing to rely on somebody. But yeah. it, again, it happens. Yeah, listen, I think that championship game was, you know, we I think we had lost 59-50. It was it was it was the game that Timmy got ejected. And <sighs> that was you know, a lesson. Yeah, I mean, I. Happened. 
I, I was trying to follow the game on my phone from the from the bowels of the CCMY locker rooms where you can't get any reception and it yeah, was just like so trying to get text message updates and it was really it was really tough and felt like you guys were kind of like alone out there. Um, yeah. you know, towards the end, but still you, uh, you did finish strong 16 points, nine rebounds in that game. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was bittersweet because obviously you want to win a game like that, but, but to know that you finished strong had to, had to feel good. Mm-hmm. How long was it after where you kind of got to digest your entire career here? You mentioned the thousand points, but you know, statistically you rank among the top in so many categories, you got hall of fame numbers. So have you ever like sat down and said, wow, I really had a outstanding career at CSI. I got to, got to own up to that. I say to myself all the time that I did because it was not what I expected coming in. Like, like we mentioned before with me being iron deficient, I had no idea. And basically my numbers were primarily for three years. Correct. So from being iron deficient, learning about that and having the career I did my freshman year, I really wasn't sure that this was the right sport for me that's why I tried out for softball my sophomore year because I was like maybe this really is the sport that I'm meant to be playing in college you know mm-hmm. so when it came to my like sophomore year tryouts and stuff like that that's when I really started getting into the groove of things so once I think it was about like a week after a championship because I don't think any of us stepped foot in this building mm-hmm. once the championship ended so from that point I sat down and I was like it's over you know, like it's been at that point, like 18 years is over. So then I thought about everything that I did, the awards that I accomplished in that three years. And I honestly could say that I'm proud of myself because of what I'm not saying I had to overcome the biggest obstacle, but anybody that's enduring, let's say an injury or a sickness, it's, you know, it can be bearing onto that person's mentality and physical appearance at the same time so saying that I can actually come back from the freshman year like I had to having like what 15 points a game every single year Mm -hmm. having 400 points a year like that says so much in like the character of myself that I never thought I could bring out yeah and for those people who aren't familiar with your career you finished sixth all-time in points scored at the college fifth in rebounds eighth in three points made sixth in free throw percentage 11th all-time in steals so those are those are some pretty terrific numbers numbers that you should definitely be proud of and the championship in 2017 was the first championship in women's basketball for the college in 12 years Mm -hmm. and uh, you know I think a lot of people from 2005 to 2017, if you take out Baruch, that was doing some yeah. shady business during that time, <laughs> you know, CSI basketball had the best win-loss record of any team in the CUNY, except they couldn't win the championship. So yeah. you guys kind of brought that back to CSI, that kind mm-hmm. of that swagger, I guess, if if you will. And that's not easy to do. And uh, so you guys accomplished a great deal. I want to sidetrack, too, because alongside your work uh, on the basketball floor, you also got involved with with us here mm-hmm. uh, in sports information, you know, working for myself, Tom, and now Joe. So working in sports and having a career in sports or being sports-oriented is something that's always been in the backdrop of your career. Joe mentioned the Staten Island Advance. You've written for the Staten mm-hmm. Island Advance as an undergrad. Um, so what part did sports play in the other side of your of your, uh, I guess, story with regards to work and, and pursuing a career in? Well, when it comes to like sports, I always said to my mom, like when we we're just talking about like career path decisions in like the beginning of college, when we had to pick like a major and stuff like that, I'm not meant to just sit behind a desk for let's say nine to five. 
I feel like I get very bored very quickly. Like even when I was doing my schoolwork, I got very sidetracked because I was just sitting there and doing my, you know. Mm -hmm. So when I chose my major here of corporate communications, I was like, it's very broad. And when I go for a master's, I can figure out what I really wanted to do. So in corporate communications, I actually got a liking to the whole operational aspect of marketing aspect. So then that's when I started work, well, working here in like 2014 before I even declared mm -hmm. my major. So when I was working here, that's when like the love of working in sports really grew because I got the feel of how you guys operate and stuff like that. And again, it just grew more fun for me because it actually made like, yes, I actually want to go to work. And even though it was part time, but still like I want to be able to say like, yeah, I really want to go for work. I can't wait to go for work. It's not it shouldn't be a hassle. So I went for my master's in sports management. And I just finished. I'm actually going for an interview next week to MSJ. So for me, that's like any kid's dream to actually work mm -hmm. at MSJ, you know. But when I worked at the Advance, I really wanted to be a sports writer. And I, when I interned under Tom for one of my classes, Tom made me do some of the game day write-ups. And even then, I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> this is not me. <laughs> I don't know why. It just got very boring to me very mm -hmm. quickly. So then that's when I had to, like, do the whole change in what I really wanted to do. And that's when I started, you know, with the MSG thing. I'm actually, hopefully, if I get it, training the junior Knicks. So, like, from there, it's more of just, like, the operational aspect of being, like, that leader and so forth. So, like, notice how my leadership aspects on the team at CSI, even though I wasn't a captain, I still was a senior at one point, where people who were younger than me looked up to me. And I coached eighth grade and travel girls, they looked up to me as well. So I had that leadership role in the role model aspect. And I feel like me carrying that over there really helped me out because that's what I want to do for these kids who are joining the junior Knicks mm -hmm. too. So I don't know. I just want to be worked in sports for the rest of my life. Just, I just have to, I just sure. can't sit behind a desk. It gets very boring. So yeah. you mentioned wanting work to be fun. And I already told Dave, I was going to ask this question. <laughs> no, no. What do we really think of Dave's sports management class that you and I both took? I took. I didn't it. think you were serious about that question. <laughs> oh, no, I, I was definitely serious, and I enjoyed the class. The fundamentals textbook a little dry at times, but the ESPN was great, and a lot of good content that you shared with us during that class as well. But what did you think of that class? It was the last class I ever took. It's the reason I'm here today. So. Well, I took it my senior year. It was the fall of senior year. But even then, I said I was like, if it wasn't for Dave's class, I wouldn't known what sports management was. I wouldn't have known that kind of class. So I got to thank you for for able to bring that class I mean it wasn't just solely you that brought the class sure, up yeah. but like the concept of me being able to take that class that I wouldn't have went for a master's in sports management I probably wouldn't just went for another one I just would have been working a mediocre job in my own opinion but I mean that ESPN book was it was fundamental it's a tough it's a tough read there's a lot of there's a lot of text in that book not many graphics those pages are full in fundamentals <laughs> but I was a business management major here and I always said that I didn't know if I could ever envision myself working full-time I do online stuff but immediately when I had the opportunity to come here and work in athletics, it's something I jumped on yeah. and I love it. And obviously I owe that to Dave because without ever taking his class and getting that offer from him, I'd probably be at home in front of a computer right now, just waiting for but it I to be. I remember beat. like you start you when you first started working here, because I remember it was around one of our games at home games and Chrissy goes, who's sitting at the table? Because obviously like you're a new face. Like usually I'm the one that's doing stats with Tom. And again, once my season came around, I really couldn't do it that much. So then I was like, I don't know, I guess it's a new kid. And then everyone was just like, Oh, he's from Dave's class. And I'm like, Okay, that makes sense because again, you work in sports management and stuff like that. But then the more I got to know you, like, hey, what's up, friends? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you mentioned 
coaching the junior Knicks. And I know coaching is something you enjoy. We've talked about it off mic before. So where does coaching play into your future career or profession? Is that something you want to continue? Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I don't want to coach higher. I, it sounds crazy that many people say that, oh, I want to coach high school or college. I like the young aspects because then you get to teach like the basic stuff. I was always told that I'm probably the most fundamental and ba- basic player there is because I actually do everything like step by step and how you're supposed to be taught, quote unquote, I should say. So when I coached eighth grade girls, I, I'm able to say fix their game before they go into high school. You know what I'm saying? I'm able to give that fundamental concept of how they should be playing. You know, and I even coached a camp over the summer when I was still doing my master's. And even with that camp, I was doing the fundamentals of, let's say, the backdoor cuts, shooting forms, dribbling, like the whole aspect of it. So I like the teaching concept. Am I meant to be a teacher? Nope. But am I meant to teach a game of basketball that I've learned my entire life about? Yeah, for sure. So um, we're coming towards the end of our of our interview, Sam, and it's been it's been great. First of all, I just want to say. Thank you to you both. I mean, I can't, it feels, it feels like yesterday where I was like 21 and working here. And that was, it feels like yesterday was 20 plus years ago, but very much like you, Sam, I was a communications major here. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I needed to do something in sports. I loved to write. So I'm like, I'm going to be a journalist. And then just stepping onto the basketball court as it was back at Sunnyside, I was approached by someone said, Hey, you're looking for a job because we need people to work here. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And I was, you know, I got opened up to so many new things. So our paths, the three of us, while we're separated by almost an entire generation, are very similar, you know. So I want to thank you both for saying those those nice things. It makes me feel a little old, but it's great. <laughs> um, so th- the second thing I wanted to bring up is is now, you know, you've crossed the threshold where now you're an alum. And it's been great to, like, have somebody who is an alum still connected with us that we can still joke around and talk about some vivid memories from, mm-hmm. from just a couple seasons ago, but also who's becoming a part of like our extended family. Yeah. Uh, because I do feel that the people that we work with are like members of our family mm-hmm. and you're right. I wake up and look forward to going to work the same way, the same way you do. Um, but tomorrow uh, is alumni day. At at, um, at CSI, our our women are playing at one o'clock against John Jay and you guys as alums will take the floor at 11 a.m. And, you know, there's a lot of um, women who played for many years ago who come to play. And then there's a lot of recent grads like yourself. Is this a day that you kind of look forward to to get back on the court and see some familiar faces and hoop it up? It's actually funny because uh, me and a bunch of us play in a women's league on Sundays. So. I see most of these girls that are be coming in tomorrow every Sunday, basically, because again, we cannot stop playing the game of basketball. We even have people that are in their forties that are playing this league just because of the love of the game, you know? Mm-hmm. So on Saturday, it's just going to be fun, but we can't play with each other. So let's say, uh, Torgan now, Jamie Piffalo, like we're probably not going to be on the same team. Mm-hmm. But then I think last year we were split with me, Chrissy Cray, and then Jamie Tor and Nikki Fabozzi on the other team. And again, it was just all like the people who played before us and mm-hmm. our old captains with the younger people who to the other were, were my captains at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I just like like it because everyone's back together in the same place without being without forcing ourselves to be there for like, oh, we have a game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the concept of Alumni Day really brings forth like, oh, I can't wait to be back on a CSI court 
representing the CSI name and calling ourselves like, yeah, I'm proud to be a dolphin, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you should be because you've also and your class uh, really ushered in the new wave, which is now Division Two and and the college moving on. I know that you're somebody who's such a competitor that I'm sure you would have loved to have been a part of that yeah. of that move at the time. But it's because of the successes that prior teams have had that allowed us to say, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a jump off we could make. So as an alum who now gets to look back at some of the, some of the great things that CSI is doing, how proud are you of the program here and of the school here as a graduate, obviously academically as well of what's going on here at the college? I, I can't be more proud to say that I represented like, CSI mm -hmm. you know well I remember coming in my freshman year I was like oh you're going to CSI like that's gonna be boring you're staying home for college but they didn't realize that you're walking into a program that's probably closer than any other program you're gonna find again I could be wrong I only experienced this one program as like my family but even then Tor Cray went away and she found out that it wasn't for her and she came here and she mm -hmm. found her home with us and we're grateful for that because again we wouldn't have that type of point guard to play with us so with that being said I feel I feel honored to say that I actually played here. Now that you guys are D2, I feel like with the way we all worked from my soft, my freshman year and forward, the way you guys worked in the offices and so on and so forth and how you guys grew and how we grew, I feel like that also pushed you guys toward the D2 level of work and play and so on and so forth. So I could say that I did play a part in it, even though I can't say I played on a D2 school. I can at least say that you guys are D2 now, mm -hmm. you know, and be like, we helped you guys get to that point, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and it's still a we thing. So yeah. I, I, I would say as an administrator that you're still a part of that and you're a part of the D2 family and, and we're, we're proud of that. Yeah. And one last question for me. Oh, no. You're up on the wall <laughs> in the tank. Your name's on the record board for <laughs> among the leading scorers in CSI women's basketball. You won a CUNYAC championship. What do you want people to remember about you? What do you want your legacy to be here? And what would be your pitch to students considering the College of Staten Island in the future? Don't take time for granted. Like, you can say that, um, yeah, you're only a freshman. You have time to kill and stuff. Like, enjoy every single moment you have on the court, on the field, anything of that nature. Enjoy it. Don't take it for granted. Like, there's going to be drama on every team's forget the drama at one point there's always gonna be something bigger than that and the, the concept of a family that you're building that's what they have to remember i'm a big family person even outside of here and everyone would know that so me actually building the relationships that i did here that was what i wanted to be known for because i feel like with the relationships that i built out off the court helped me on the court and even then i'm still friends with people in different sports too like you just want to branch out you don't want to stay primarily within your one sport so with me being on the wall i want people to remember me being like okay, that's the girl that basically has a relationship with the entire team in order to keep them together. You know, we all did that. It wasn't just me, but I feel like making that little effort in the locker rooms, on the game trips and so forth, I feel like that really helped make a glue for everybody to be like, okay, we're one as a team. So I have one last 10 second clip oh, no. for you before we sign off. I know this is something you want people to remember too. You bring it up all the time. Oh, I'm so proud of myself for that. Is that the step back the jumper? Step back. Yeah, yeah. My junior year, I did something very similar and I heard the ooze in the background and I didn't shoot it and then I got the aww. <laughs> <laughs> so, nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody wanted that. So I was like, I said to myself, I was like, nope, you're shooting it now. You have no choice. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm proud of myself for that move. Never thought I was capable. <laughs> very nice, Sam. Well, listen, this has been an eye opener for us. Uh, really glad that you uh, decided to come on in and join us on the podcast uh, to look back, take a trip down memory lane, but really, uh, more importantly than that, get to know a little bit more about you and what makes you you. And 
um, you know, it's, it's great to have you on board in a staff capacity. We wish you the best of luck with the interview at, at MSG. And um, we know that whether that pans out or not, you're still going to be a part of this family, uh, you know, working with us and being a part of these alumni events and being a part of a forever history with women's basketball. Well, I even told Joe, I was like, even if I do get this job, it'll only be like Monday to Friday. It's like Saturday oh, games. Perfect. You got me. I'm here. We have, <laughs> I'm we have not plenty leaving. of doubleheader baseball and softball games. Oh, boy. <laughs> boy. Oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. You couldn't resist. Nick and I will be on the air tomorrow. We expect you to send players over onto the third headset. You can come over on the third headset if you want during the game. Oh, God. We, we want guests. Yeah. We want guests. I'll okay. try to help yes. you out with that as well, Joe. All right. <laughs> He's going to be on it. All right. Joe and I are going to step aside, uh, take a break, come back, and wrap up the Dolphin Pod here. Episode 12. We want to thank Sam Flecker once again for joining us and stay with us here. Episode 12 on the Dolphin Pod. You're listening to The Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. In NCAA Division II, student-athletes leave a lasting impression on their communities. That's because Division II student-athletes want to make a difference and truly be part of their surrounding communities. Through community engagement, thousands of student-athletes from various backgrounds interact with community members who view them as role models. This interaction leaves a positive and perhaps even life-changing impression on all those involved. In Division Two, we rise to the opportunity and make community engagement ours. Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. And you just listened to our conversation with Samantha Flecker, women's basketball alum. And Dave, you and I both know Sam, of course. She works with us in sports information. But once again, we learned a lot that we didn't necessarily already know about a staffer that we're around quite a bit. No, definitely. I think, uh, you know, one of the great things about our job, Joe, is that we get to see our teams perform, you know, at least 50% of the time when they're at home. And then, you know, we're at home, Joe, sometimes uh, talking on the phone or, or what have you, watching the games on the stream and, and talking even more. So, you know, we're a big part of their lives when they're on the court. We just don't get a chance often enough to learn about them off the court. And that's always a, a real highlight to to my time here. I know it is for you as well. And these podcasts are a great introspective look at what goes on behind the scenes, uh, you know, what goes on during their youth that leads them here to CSI. And then uh, in the case of Samantha, especially, her musings after her her career are over and how she holds CSI in the regard that she does and obviously being a part of our extended family here. It's just, uh, it's always a great conversation and uh, I enjoyed it with Sam uh, this morning as well. And I always enjoy the opportunity getting to talk to our staff members. We've seen what Sam can do with the basketball and it's good to learn more about what she does away from CSI and her coaching experience now her forays into sports management as well. We hope that interview with the Knicks goes well. You can name drop me with the Knicks, not so much with the Mets. <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I guess you're right. But I'm looking forward to tomorrow afternoon as well, uh, uh, Joe, where not only will we get to, you know, see the teams, but we'll get to feed them after. Uh, you know, there'll be a, a luncheon as well. It, should, it promises to be a great afternoon, and I'm looking forward to it. So am I. <laughs> Dave. You did it. I said I wouldn't, but I did. I had to laugh for a second there, but a great close. And we look forward to tomorrow's alumni game and the doubleheader against John Jay. You can catch all of that action live on CSI Sports. And until then, this has been the Dolphin Pod exclusively on CSIDolphins.com. New episodes every Friday at noon. And you can listen next week at that time at CSIDolphins.com backslash podcast. Until then, this has been Joe Foreman alongside David Pizzuto. Catch us next week. You've been listening to The Dolphin Pod. 
remember to check us out next week when we bring you a brand new show and check out our archive broadcast throughout the year. If you have questions, comments, would like to be booked on the show, or have an idea for a show guest, be sure to leave us feedback, as well as catch all of our shows right here at CSIDolphins.com backslash podcasts. From all of us here at the College of Staten Island, thank you for listening to The Dolphin Pod.